Welcome, my brothers and sisters, to the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church. We are delighted that you have joined us this morning for the time of worship and celebration. And it is our prayer indeed that the worship experience by way of music will bless your soul and the preaching of God's word will give you the necessary inspiration and instruction that you need. So sit back, digest, be blessed as the Spirit of God speaks to you today. Amen.
Good morning, Greater Little Zion Baptist Church family, friends, and guests. Here are our weekly announcements. Make sure that you come out to our school supply drive on August the 19th and also the 21st for the community. The Missionary Ministry's goal is to give out 100 backpacks. If you would like to donate, we would ask for you to drop off on Wednesdays, Thursdays, or the third Saturdays for the food distribution in July. We will be having our drive through food distribution on Saturday, July the 17th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Make sure that you take a look at the location change, which will be at the David R. Penn Community Center at 10225 Zion Drive, which is directly around the corner from the church. The youth ministry would like to invite all of our youth and young adults to come bowling on July the 18th at the Bowl America Burke around the corner and down the street from the church. It's from ages 17 and under from 6 to 7 p.m. and 18 and up from 7 to 8 p.m. Make sure you also save the date for our virtual quarterly church meeting on Saturday, July the 31st at 10 a.m. To RSVP, make sure you send an email to the admin office. On Wednesdays, we will be also having our weekly prayer meeting at 6 p.m. and the virtual adult Bible study at 7.30 p.m. We also will be having our Sunday school sessions. Our youth and young adult Sunday school session is Saturdays at 10 a.m. and the adult Sunday school session is every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Well, thank you for joining us again and we hope that these announcements fulfill all of your needs for this week. Have a blessed day, y'all.
morning, Greater Little Zion. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. Before we get started on the sermon introduction and scripture, we certainly want to express our condolences to the Mears family in the passing of one of our church mothers, Sister Betty Mears. We want our condolences and comfort to be expressed to Brother Ron Mears and the Mears family. We also learned of the passing of Sister Arthuretta Holmes Martin, in which we want to publicly declare our support and express condolences to her family as well. And then we learned, of course, of the passing of the mother of our dear sister, Sister Denise Snowden. We want to give her our condolences and let her know that anything that we can do, of course, as her Zion family, we are here to do so but we certainly embrace her with both encouragement and with thanksgiving, realizing that this is a very difficult moment, but we are here to provide whatever assistance is needed, and we certainly want to continue to pray for our Zion family. This was an unusual week in that we saw several deaths occur, um, but we are grateful that we are still here and that we are, have the opportunity to do ministry to provide the support and comfort that these individuals need in their time of bereavement. Join me, if you will, in the book of Genesis chapter 41. The book of Genesis chapter 41, we're going to read verses 44 through 49. Genesis chapter 41, verses 44 through 49. I'm going to read the text this morning from the New Living Translation. So we invite you to join us as we share in this moment in the reading of God's word. And here is what it says. Genesis chapter 41, beginning at verse 44. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Sapheneth Paneah. He also gave him a wife whose name was Asenath. She was the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. As predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the city. He piled up huge amounts of grain, like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. Amen. I want to put a tag on the tech this morning and want to preach from the subject, Can You Handle This Level Blessings? Can You Handle This Level Blessings? Or... You can say, can you handle the next level blessings? Can you handle the next level 
blessings. Well, Joseph now stands adored in his regal royalty. His finger is now occupied by the signet ring of Pharaoh. His feet covered by the golden sandals in which he has been ascribed. His neck laced with the gold chain of authority. And his back is now covered by the custom-designed garments of the finest linen in Egypt. He stands doomed with visible signs of authority. Awaiting is his inaugural parade with Pharaoh as Joseph rides in the second chariot with runners preceding him, calling out to the people, bow the knee, bow the knee. Joseph in reality, is now living in style. He's riding in style. He's wearing the best of style. He has the secret service, so to speak, who's preparing the way for each of his maneuverings. His now view in the chariot, in the palace, from above offers his eyes the opportunity to witness those who once perhaps taunted him as a prison hand, who once saw him as the hey you guy in Potiphar's house. And yet looming in the atmosphere is the possibility of temptation, the temptation of taunting them with the words, how you like me now, says Joseph possibly boost his ego even more. Think about this. That morning, he was a dirty, he was in a dirty, stinking pit. But by nightfall, he was sitting in the palace, and as we noted previously, adorned in the finest of garments, experiencing the servants fanning him and brushing away the flies. His menu was drawn from the haunty cuisine of the Nile and at his disposal was, of course, the chauffeur limousine chariots awaiting his call. In simple layman's terms, Joseph Eagle could have swollen to a point of no return. And to top it all off, he has the backing of Pharaoh's words according to verse 44. Without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt unless you give the approval. Wow, that statement in itself could have created a man who could not handle the next level blessing. But that's not what we get in the text. Instead, we witness a man whose focus, whose faith, whose favor, whose fortune and future grew out of his experiencing of focusing his faith on his future, realizing that life is a series or a season of transitions. The pit, the prison, and then the palace. In each Joseph did this. He paid his own way. Focus is expensive. Faith is expensive. 
Favor is expensive. Your future is expensive. And failing to pay a cost could cost you your future, which could be just as expensive as well. Keep in mind, transitions involve expectations. I'm convinced that Joseph expected to be blessed at a higher level which meant he needed to develop the mentality for higher level blessings. He could not afford for pride or the absence of humility to reign in his life as God is moving him upwardly mobile through these transitions of change. Remember the words of Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and Joseph could not permit that to happen in his life. I want to contend that he didn't do it because the 13 years he spends in prison enabled him to focus on remembering from whom all blessings flow. Joseph believed by faith that when it came to the justice that eluded him, the unrighteousness that tried to condemn him, it would be God who would judge and who would decide who rises and who falls, who is promoted and who is demoted. Psalm 75, 6 and 7. With that said, this is what Joseph's life depicted and how you can remember Joseph's progress. In Genesis 39, verse 5, it says that Potiphar's house is blessed because of Joseph. In Genesis 41, verse 40, it says that Pharaoh's household is likewise blessed because of Joseph. See, in Joseph, he paid his own way. That cost him, well, that cost, I should say, helped him appreciate the blessings when they come because he knew and had already paid the expense. You will not easily jeopardize the welfare of something not easily attained. I believe further that Joseph is prepared by way of isolation and favor to handle the blessing at this level because in Joseph's life, he did what I call eliminating the children of Cain. And I say eliminating the children of Cain because he didn't permit that kind of spirit around him. See, the children of Cain was like their father. They will murder you because you have God's favor. You've got to watch out for them. They will not rejoice with you. Just read Genesis 4. They will not be happy for what happens in your life. They can't be glad for you because they somehow feel your success came at their own expense. They foolishly believe that you have their blessing and they should get it should have gotten it and not you. Simply stated, they just did not and do not want to pay the price you paid, but they want to have the blessings that you have. That level of negativity can ruin your mentality and derail you from experiencing and enjoying what I call this next level blessing. They tell me that it is prosperity that can make a person hard and selfish. It can cause a person to forget 
from whom all blessings flow, God, it affects people in many different ways, prosperity. But what I see in the life of Joseph is humility. It's this humility that provides Joseph with both his moral and spiritual equilibrium. The discipline of the many years of training in prison was not wasted. Joseph's head was not turned around and it did not explode in growth because of prosperity. In fact, he remained faithful in the little which qualified him for responsibility of the great and many. And although he's a young man, just 30 years of age, he possesses a great deal of maturity, of poise, and stability. When God goes to elevate you, when God goes to promote you, the question becomes, you have to wrestle with, can you handle being blessed at new levels? Joseph finally had it all because he had been prepared and prepared himself to handle it all. Note that with every blessing comes additional responsibilities. How many times have you and I prayed for a blessing and then when we received it, we realized that there were strings attached that we didn't originally consider. And to be honest, being blessed is really hard work. I know it doesn't seem like it, but being blessed is hard work because have you noticed everything God gives you requires maintenance. When God gave Adam the garden, he still left Adam with the responsibility to dress the garden. He had to take care of it. Perhaps that explains why Jesus had later come along and said, no man <clears throat> builds without first counting the cost. Are you willing to pay the cost to go to the next level? Can you handle what happens when you transition to the next level? Are you willing to pay that price? When it comes to success, we must understand that you can't be in love with the image of success, with the image of prosperity, with the image of promotion, without contemplating the cost to be the boss. There is a cost that has to be paid. Joseph did it. The interpretation of dreams and the provision of sound advice to Pharaoh not only elevated Joseph to prime minister, but it also brought about a name change in his life. Being blessed at the next level is also a test of can you remember who you are? Will your identity totally change in direction that makes you unidentifiable? Well, it should in some degree. When God moves you up and elevates you, when God permits your life to experience promotion through your employment, through economics, some relationships you will need to eliminate 
because those persons can no longer fly in your atmosphere. Their view of you will change because they feel you are no longer accessible like they previously were accustomed. Some habits will be eliminated because they are no longer beneficial to your new elevated blessing and will only serve as a hindrance in your life. I want you to observe in verse 45 what Pharaoh did. He changed Joseph's name. Perhaps because he didn't like his Hebrew name and its background. So he gave Joseph an Egyptian name, Saphonith Paneah. For the Egyptians, that name had a lot of meanings. For example, Savior of the world, God speaks and he lives. The God has said he will live. But for the Hebrew, and in Hebrew, the word, the name means revealer of secret things which is what actually Joseph had been doing to both his brothers previously and now Pharaoh. And yet when we look at Joseph, Joseph is a type of Jesus. To the unsaved man, he is the savior that can save him for eternity. While to the saved man, he is a, in a deeper way, the revealer of secrets because he provides the truth and the truth will set you free. We have to realize that God changes our lives in order to use us to assist in bringing others to meet the Savior of the world. God uses us to become revealers of the secrets in the word of God. And here we are now examining Joseph's life, concluding that Joseph did a good job. He did his job well, and he obviously enjoyed both the task and its rewards. Read the Bible, Genesis 41, beginning in verse 46, it says, Joseph was 30 years of old, and he went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all of the land. And during the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundance. His plan, his diagnosis, it worked. It was true. He gathered all the food of the seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and placed food in the cities. He placed it in the city, the food from its own surrounding field. Joseph said, we must store up while there is much so that we can be prepared when there is little or none at all. 49 says, thus Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measurement. What happened? Joseph recognized not only that his plan was of divine direction, but he saw it evolved. He saw it come to pass. That anchored in Joseph's spirit that the word of God is indeed true and he could do nothing else but trust that God not only had his back, but God was in his work, in his progress, in his promotion, 
and God was in the picture that he had given Pharaoh interpreted by Moses. But his name has changed. His whole entire context of existence has now changed. Joseph has moved from a space of poverty to now a space of prosperity. He's blessed tremendously and yet even in changing his name it doesn't change him. He remains in a humble posture and the further blessings in store for him at the next level involves the provision of a wife as well as two sons. So now let's look at this. Joseph has a new job. He has a new name. He has a new wife. And amazing about this entire transition of blessing for Joseph, he doesn't object to any of these new additions because he's not in the position to do so. So you have to understand, you look at Joseph's new wife, Asenath, her name means belonging to the goddess Neath. Her father, she is the daughter of Potiphar. Potiphar comes from the same root word as Potiphar, but her father is a part of the leading priesthood of On. That meant that Joseph is not only connected to the power structure of Pharaoh, but Joseph now is connected to the power structure in the religious context of Egypt. Her father is the priest of On. He provides another level of life for Joseph. That arranged marriage by Pharaoh for Joseph places him in a circle of one of the most powerful priestly families in all of Egypt. Her father officiated all of the major festivals. He supervised all of the lower serving priests who served the sun god, Re, in Egyptian religion, in the city temple. But this meant that the promotion and the marriage connected Joseph to the elite, to the power structure both politically and religiously in Egypt. See, have you noticed that power families only want their children to marry persons of other power families because at that level of living, there are responsibilities and expectations that are required of you and anyone less could ruin the family image because they had not learned how to live at that next level. So you see, that's why the question etches up once again, can you handle being blessed at the next level? Well, Joseph did it. He not only did his job successfully, but he handled being blessed at the next level, and we shall see even more affirming later. But Egypt is now flourishing, seven years of prosperity in plenty. And it's interesting to note that when we look at how this thing plays itself out, Joseph and Egypt's existence, they operate 
in opposite directions. Egypt has been experiencing prosperity, but famine and leanness is just ahead. Joseph, however, has been experiencing famine and leanness since he was 17 years of age, but now he is entering years of fruitfulness and prosperity. We're going to talk about Joseph's addition of his wife and two sons on next Sunday because it requires a far more exposition. But I want us to look deeply at something more critical in this text. And that's because in the elevation of Joseph, there is this cry to the readers of the narrative to not only wrestle with the tension of can we stand to be blessed at another level, but have we made the preparation to get to another level? Joseph kindly reminds us that being blessed too early would cause us to allow pride to ruin us and eventually lead to a fall. Being blessed too early without the proper preparation would cause us to mishandle the blessing, would cause us to render the blessing with unappreciation, would cause us not to embrace the blessing with the fullness of gratitude and thankfulness to God. And Joseph illustrates for us how important it is that if you're going to move through the seasons of transitions, understand that's the preparation ground for God to take you at that next level. You can't come off the street and be the president of the corporation overnight. But there's something about learning the rubrics and the particulars of the industry itself, whatever you're serving in, so that when you do reach that moment where your name is called for promotion, you are well informed. See, Joseph, when he goes before Pharaoh, he knows how to interpret dreams. And on top of that, he has thought through scenarios. He took what God gave him by interpreting Pharaoh's dream and he developed a plan. Sometimes it's good just to read various scenarios about your particular that you are involved in. You're trying to raise a business and I want you to be extremely eager to look at different scenarios, both good and bad, that you'll be well informed on how to handle both the progress and the crisis. I am impressed with Joseph's posture because even in changing his name, he didn't allow it to change him. See, when our name is changed from being one who is remembered for in being in poverty or for being without or for being uneducated or for being uninformed to something new, riches, informative. Sometimes it affects our ego 
And it causes our mentality to grow way out of space. And when that happens, the weight of that egotism floats us away into an atmosphere in which people find it difficult to bring us back. And so I want to close with something that I think Joseph is encouraging all of us to grasp when we talk about handling blessings at the next level. Here are the lessons I think that Joseph is leaving us to learn from this sermon. Number one, I want to suggest to you don't permit pride to ruin your prosperity. Proverbs 13.10 says it's a sure way to guarantee your destruction. Like Joseph, he stayed humble no matter how high his promotions took him. Look at him now. As I said earlier, that morning he was in prison. In the cold space, in the dampness of a prison. And now he's in the palace. He's in a space of looking down. He could have thought about retaliation. He could have thought about a way to make other people's lives miserable. He could have thought about how he is up now and he has the power and he can make them do whatever he wanted them to do. He could also enjoy the idea that he raised himself up by his own bootstraps. And listen to me. I am the first to tell you there is something empowering about self-determination and never underestimate how powerful self-determination is. I certainly believe as a people that we have been taught not to honor the self-determination that we have. In fact, we have been taught to disregard it because it won't pay off. But I tell you, if you look at our history, self-determination will pay off. But don't permit pride to limit you to only self-determination because it would only get you so far but remember in dealing with people there are some people who have the power to set up roadblocks to run interference in your prosperity in your progress in your promotion and that's where you need a divine help who can make what seems impossible become possible. But you mustn't permit your pride to ruin your prosperity. There's a second thing I think Joseph is telling us, and that is don't permit haters to ruin your prosperity. You have worked hard and paid the price for upward mobility. Don't permit people who can't accept you, who won't appreciate you, and who won't encourage you in your promotion, in your progress. Do yourself the favor, shut the door on naysayers, and open the door to encouragers. Remember, your present moment exists with your permission. 
I'll say it again. Your present moment exists with your permission. Whether it's a bad context, you've given it permission to remain around. You have yet given yourself permission to come out of that bad context, that bad relationship, that bad job. Your permission causes your current existence to exist. But that same attitude can be given to your prosperity, to your progress, to your promotion, to your positivity. Oh, there is something to be said about speaking to yourself positive, affirming words. I believe the writer of Proverbs, again, as a man thinketh. Let me add, as a man think and says, as a woman think and says, so becomes their context of existence. So let me underscore it again. Remember, <clears throat> your present moment exists with your permission. Nobody else can fight your fight. Nobody else can run your race. Nobody else can finish your course. Only you can keep the faith. Only you can keep your focus. And only you can remain humble. Take responsibility for your assignments and don't permit your haters to be influential in your journey. Paul says it this way in Philippians 2 and 12. You are going to work out your own salvation. You have to do it. Did you get that? He's not talking about eternal life. He's talking about working out your current moment of deliverance. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Later he would tell young Timothy, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished my course. I worked it out when it comes to my salvation. Now I feel good about where I'm going. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. He left the haters behind and he pressed toward the mark. That's what you got to do. Don't let your haters ruin your prosperity. There's a third thing that, Paul, that uh, Joseph says, and that is don't permit greed to replace your gratitude. Don't permit greed to replace your, your gratitude. Remember, in all of this, Joseph doesn't allow pride to ruin his prosperity. Joseph doesn't permit the haters to ruin his prosperity. And Joseph doesn't permit greed to rob him of his gratitude. With all blessings of the next level, like a Joseph experience, as far as we could tell, he kept on being thankful to the Lord. And I want to know every single morning when you arise to your circumstance and recognize that God is moving you forward, do you get up in the morning decrying with all of your energy, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad within it. 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Do you invite others? Oh, come and magnify the Lord with me because my prosperity would never have come had it not been for the intervention of a divine God who called me out of darkness and then opened the door that I might walk into his marvelous light of grace. I believe there's some witnesses out there who can testify that I am where I am by grace. I ride what I ride by grace. I live where I live by grace. I work where I work by grace. I have what I have by grace. Because I'm determined that whatever I have, I won't allow greed to take the place of my thankfulness to God. I'm thinking of that doxology that we sing in church when we've given our offering to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him, praise God, all heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. See, because I want my gratitude to always overtake the spirit of greed. And then one final thing. Don't permit enemies to alter your expectations. <laughs> Don't permit enemies to alter your expectations. See, here's something I've discovered. Enemies try to use yesterday's failures to distract you. And when that happens, I have concluded that Satan keeps showing you the same photographs of yesterday's failures. That seems to be an indication that he's running low on material. <laughs> he has nothing else to do but to keep trying to remind you of yesterday's failures. Eliminate your expectation for tomorrow is what he's attempting to do. It means that your future is intimidating to your haters and to Satan. Hear the word of the Lord when it comes to that kind of presence before you. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Isaiah 43 verse 18. Okay, you, you failed. You've made mistakes. Even in the process of promotion, maybe your ego kicked in a little bit and you start getting big-headed, but you realize, uh-uh, uh-uh, this will only cause me to stumble and fall. But don't major in that. It happened. It's history. Learn from it and move beyond it. That's what Isaiah is telling us. That's what God is saying through Isaiah. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. But focus on tomorrow. Because focusing on tomorrow moves you further away from yesterday. 
Listen to what Isaiah further says. Behold, I will do a new thing. It will spring forth. Shall you not know it? And then he says, I have made even a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's where God has said through Isaiah, oh, I'm going to bless you even when it looks impossible. If you stay humble, if you keep preparing yourself to be blessed and to get ready for the next level, oh, I'm going to make it work for you. I'm going to make it happen. I just need for you to constantly ask yourself the question, can you handle next level blessings? Joseph did. And he did it because he remained humble. And I want to contend you can do it as well when you remain humble and trust God for all things. Father, thank you for the word of life. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this moment in Joseph's life that teaches us how we can experience the abundance at next level when we prepare ourselves at the lower level. I pray today that in someone's circumstance that they are looking, expecting, they are anticipating next level blessings that you help them work on their humility, work on their focus, work on their faith, believe in their favor, begin to proclaim their future and watch their fortunes come before them. Spiritually striven us, God, because I recognize that in Joseph's life as well, there is spiritual power that's developed in his life as he keeps looking unto you. And so, Lord, I pray today that someone keeps their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust the provision of your divine power to lead them in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Save that person, Lord, who hears the good news. And that good news is that Jesus saves. And today, he knocks on the heart of those who are listening to this divine word. Says, Jesus, if you open your heart, I'll come in and sup with you, fellowship, have communion. We'll be together. And so I pray today, Lord, as someone hears the call of Jesus, they receive that call. Embrace his life with thanksgiving. And we celebrate the newness of life for someone today. In Jesus' name, amen. That's our joy. That's our celebration. Each and every Sunday, we're just rejoicing, believing by faith that we may never hear of how God has changed your life. We may never hear that you've come to know Jesus as Savior. But we believe in our heart that it's written in eternity. And we're rejoicing anyway, knowing that someone has been blessed today and someone's life has been changed for the good in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're always excited for those of you who view us weekly. Thank you so much for your support and we certainly want to encourage you to continue to do so. If you've been watching and never supported, we encourage you to please take a moment to drop us a line, give us an offering that would support this ministry that gives us an opportunity to keep on doing this each and every week in the name of our Lord. Well, I'm looking forward to the great things that God is going to do in your life. 
and I want you to have the expectation that there are some great things coming down the pipe and that the next level blessing is on its way for you. Work at it now so that you'll be ready for it when God opens that door. Never forget, God loves you and so do I. I want you to have a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We've heard that there is no way